0: Hope it's well with your soul this morning. Yeah, what a beautiful piece. Well, last Sunday we started a new series from the book of Daniel called Stand and we opened up by seeing the purpose that the Hebrew children had in their lives to keep themselves pure and to keep themselves in the pathway of God's blessing. But you know, their purpose alone would not be enough to get them to the position where God wanted them to be. They would also need God's guidance and providence along the way. And our reading is, once again this morning, in Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to look at the first 10 verses of the book this morning. If you're physically able, would you stand as we read those verses? As we get started here this morning, Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science And such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning in the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hanadi of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king. With appointed your meat and your drink, for why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then ye shall make me endanger my head to the king. Let's talk about providence this morning. Father, would you work in our lives and our hearts? And help us to understand how you have been working behind the scenes in the story of each of our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, you maybe, seated. Would you listen as Amber sings this morning?
1: <laughs> well, everybody's got a story. Bye. have you given?
0: amen what a message powerful message in that song appreciate amber and her ministry and music here at centennial and appreciate rick as well and uh, tell you what he got stuck with the end of the deal friday night he was in the dunk tank twice uh, yeah. somehow it's hard to believe our music minister forgot his clothes for the dunk tank and so Rick had to step in. And if you see him moving gingerly this morning, it's because every muscle in his body is still hurting. Forrest can attest to this because he was in there as well. Uh, but thought I got a kick out of it. I didn't even realize he was in twice. Rick was talking about it this morning. <laughs> Whoa, he, poor guy. He had to go back in. One of the important points that often gets left out of the story here in Daniel is the role that Ashpenaz played. And everybody just look down at your Bible. I mean, every single person has your Bible up You're the what? In fact, I I think I'm in safe territory saying that Ashpenaz is is not one of the well-known Bible characters. And if you've never heard of him before, uh, let me tell you about Ashpenaz because he's going to come into play in our message this morning. Ashmedes was the king's master of eunuchs. And in the time period of history that this story or this history speaks of, around 600 BC, many of the pagan empires would take teenage boys from other nations that they had conquered, and they would immediately perform surgery on them so that they could never have children who would one day retaliate against the emperor. Ashpenaz was in charge of this group in Babylon. And we'll see this morning how this prince of eunuchs was instrumental in bringing Daniel and his friends to the forefront of the Babylonian empire. But you know, it's more than just Ashpenaz. We'll see because God's providence is what really led the way in Daniel's relationship with this prince. Can you imagine that Daniel who grows up in Jerusalem for the first 13 14 years of his life is taken captive is made into a eunuch is brought into the Babylonian empire and sits in this this empire for three years in this study group or this apprentice group and it goes on to become second only to the king and we think back in the Bible to Joseph who's brought into Egypt as a slave who's bought as a slave into Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife lies about him, and he throws him into prison. And from the dungeon, he rises to be the second in command to the Pharaoh. God's providence is at play in every one of these areas. And this morning, in, in our life group, and all uh, the life groups, many of them talked about providence this morning. In our life group, we came up with this definition for providence, and I thought, man, this is a, uh, this one works for me. Providence is God working behind the scenes. That's what it is, God working behind the scenes. And as you read the Bible, you can see so often where God works behind the scenes. But I want you today as we go through this to take it to your story. And uh, Amber sang about your story and we've talked about your story in life groups and throughout the day today. And I want you to see how God has worked in your story and how God is working in your story Behind the scenes. We start this morning by saying that God directed in the choice. The notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with us in the message. God directed in the choice. You know, God chose Daniel. God chose Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And God chose you. And those are powerful words, aren't they? It's it's so true, though, because the redemption of Jesus Christ and through his redemption and through his sacrifice and through his salvation, God has chosen you and me, and the Bible says, whosoever will may come to receive salvation and to be his children for all eternity. God has chosen people throughout the dispensations of time recorded in Scripture. God has chosen people to do certain things and to be involved in relationship with him in certain ways. And we know that God is sovereign, and it's one of the hardest things about God to understand. I always say that there are three things that it's just incredibly hard for human beings to wrap their minds around. One is the Trinity. Right? In VBS, they brought out an egg and said, this is like the Trinity, and it's a three in one, and 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 you're made of body, soul, and spirit. There's ways we've tried to explain it. But I'm just telling you, Trinity's a tough one to understand. Here's another one that's really tough. Eternity. Riddle me that. Right? Go ahead and explain to me eternity past. And then when you're done with that, explain to me eternity future. And you say, "I, I have a tough time with that one too. And if you do, you're a human being. The third one that is incredibly tough for us to get, is God's sovereignty. How can God be in charge of the canvas of the universe? How can God be the big picture God and still offer to us free will? How does that balance work? How is it that God knows what's gonna happen and yet we have a choice in the matter? In the canvas of this life, And so those three things are tough. And and God, as a sovereign God, loves us all. He's not willing that any should perish, the Bible says. And yet he chose Adam to be the first man, an individual. Noah received grace in his sight as the world was flooded. He chose Abraham to leave his country and to go to a place where he'd never been to become the founder of a great nation, the nation of Israel. God allowed Joseph, as we said, to be sold by his own brothers so that he could save the fledgling nation that God had chosen. God chose Moses to lead his people out of Israel, guiding him to be brought up in the palace of the Pharaoh himself. God chose Joshua to lead the charge on Jericho. God chose Gideon to defeat the Midianites with 300 men. God chose Samson before he was ever born, the Bible says. Samson's a case study for God's sovereignty because even though God chose him before he was ever born, and God put his hand on his mother and his father, Samson made his own choices that led him out of the will of God and yet God protected him even during that time of rebellion. What a study that is. And it God chose Solomon to be the wise man and to receive the blessing of wisdom. God chose David, a man after his own heart, to defeat Goliath and to usher in a time of peace. God told Jeremiah that he had been ordained to be a prophet before he was ever formed in his mother's womb. And now, Jerusalem has been broken down. And we set the stage last week. King Nebuchadnezzar has ransacked the city. He's stolen the vessels from the temple. He's taken captive a large group of people. Listen to me. God was still choosing. In the middle of the defeat, in the middle of the circumstance, in the middle of the suffering, God was still at work. And he chose Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego to represent and to be available for his use within the walls of the Babylonian empire. My goodness, could it be that God has chosen you for something very important, very special in the role he has given you to do in your life. And maybe you're in a dark place to shine as a light. Daniel certainly was. Maybe you're in a tough circumstance to point the way to eternal truth. God is still directing through his providence, and I'm telling you that he has chosen you You have been chosen by God for his kingdom purposes. And boy, if we internalize that this morning as we go through this, we're going to see some valuable truth. Go back to Daniel 1. We read this earlier, and now let's look a little closer at verse 3. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the prince's children in whom was no blemish but well favored, skillful in all wisdom cunning in knowledge, understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace in whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans and so we see it again only the choicest of the young people from Jerusalem would be brought into the palace of Babylon to enter this three year apprenticeship to stand before the king himself but who would make the choice on who the choicest would be? That would be our friend Ashvanaz, master of the eunuchs. And it seems that the fate of these young men was in his hands. It really looks like it's all on him. And, and how many times in the world do we live in today where we say, oh no, if the Supreme Court does this. And if the president does that, and if this gets signed into law, then we're doomed. And, it's, and you know what we forget? God is still on the throne. In the middle of the dilemma, in the middle of the trouble, God's still at work. And he's working behind the scenes. And here Ashton is, chooses these young men. And as God works his favor... I want you to remember it says in Proverbs that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And in this situation, the heart of the prince was in the hand of the Lord. Just as God guided his servant Samuel to anoint David king instead of his seven older brothers, God guided this man into the lineup to say, I pick you. I'm going to pick you, I'm going to pick you, and I'm going to pick you. And you four guys, come with me. And here are these young men, ripped from their families, ripped from everything they had ever known, physically mutilated, are brought into a foreign palace and a foreign kingdom, and God was still work when you look at the middle east today you say pastor they're they're destroying christian churches or ch- named churches that are named christian churches that have been around since the time of christ in the middle east isis is burning down buildings and uh, they're torturing people and they're killing people hundreds of thousands of those Who named the name of Christ. And how could God be at work? And I just love to read the Old Testament and see God at work. And I love to read the New Testament. And see that God worked the most through persecution. God worked the most through instability. God worked the most through torture. And through horrible experiences. And yet, I'm afraid in American Christianity that we are so spoiled that if God tried to grow us through persecution, we would literally fall apart. If God tried to grow us through a negative experience, that we would say, I give up. And many of the times that God wants to use us, he has to take us through a fiery furnace like we saw last week, and he's there with us in the midst. And God is directing in the choice of who he wants to be used as they enter the palace program. But then I want you to see the second part because it's so unique. God designed what Daniel was called. Look at verse 7 again. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. Isn't it interesting that of all the young men chosen to be the pal- in the palace program, Daniel was given the Chaldean name, the king's leader? That's his Chaldean name. Belteshazzar, the king's leader. It's the same name that Nebuchadnezzar's grandson would be called Belshazzar, the king's leader. And God has given him this name. Daniel is named for what he would become. And in the Old Testament, boy, especially when you get into uh, the early naming of of Hebrew names, you find that many times God gave a name to someone based on what they would become, right? Ishmael, he's going to become a wild man. Right, Esau means red. Jacob means deceiver. Right? You remember the book of Ruth? The names mean everything in the book of Ruth. And Malon means sickly, and a, and he died of illness at a very young age. Chilion means pining or worrying, and he died of a very young age. And you look at all the names that they stack up, and Boaz, who becomes uh, the Lord saves us, and my redeemer, and he becomes the kinsman redeemer, and names mean so much. And now God goes out of the Hebrew language into the Chaldean language and names Daniel for what he'd become. How many understand that God can speak all languages? How many understand that God is the author of languages? He's the one of the Tower of Babel that said, hey, you know what? Let's throw in some languages into the mix. Otherwise, we would all still be speaking Hebrew. The original language of God when he spoke the creation into existence in perfect form, perfect meter. As you look even at Genesis 1-1 and what God spoke and how it was done. Daniel is named. And you remember the history we covered last Sunday of Daniel in the lion's den from Daniel 6. You know, at the time that that took place, Daniel was the chief of the three presidents directly below King Darius. He was literally the king's leader. And folks, we don't give God enough credit for the providence he has working in our lives. I feel like too often we compartmentalize God to the point where he only belongs in the church category in our lives. And we pull him out one day a week to come into the building with us, and then we take him back home and put him back in the box because we've got family life covered, and we know how marriage is supposed to work. And why would God be involved in my workplace or in the neighborhood? And oh my, are we missing out because our God is the great God of the heavens. Light came flying out of his mouth at the speed of 186,286 miles per second. Pretty fast. He knows the number of hairs on your head this very moment. And you won't give him a chance to lead the way in your workplace. You won't give him the opportunity to be at the center of your finances. You know more than God when it comes to your finances. And you say, oh, that tithe will never work for me, God. And yet, when you leave it out, the finances never work. In God's math, you can do more with 90% than you can with 100. Because God's faithful and he blesses. And when you leave him out of your future planning and when you leave him out of raising your children you are not capitalizing on one of the biggest attributes of God, which is his providence. If you want anybody working behind the scenes in your life, you want God working behind the scenes because he's a master at working in ways that we don't understand and painting the canvas of our lives to be what he wants us to be. And so God has already designed through his providence... How he wants to use me and how he wants to use you for his kingdom purposes. Just like he designed Daniel's life. When he is named this as a 14-year-old boy, he is named what he will become by God's glory. It's, It's so profound what God did in Daniel's life. The providence of God is so evident in Daniel's life. The third part we see is this. God developed a strong connection. I want you to look down at verse number 9. And boy, don't miss this one. This is a huge verse. Look what it says. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Isn't that a big verse? God had brought Daniel of all the people who had been taken captive, of all the men in the palace program, God had brought Daniel into favor with the prince of eunuchs. And by the time the relationship card needed to be played, the relationship had already been engineered and blessed by the God of heaven. Within the Babylonian Empire, it's natural to think that He would have been under a dedicated henchman of Nebuchadnezzar. After all, these are the people who had thought up great ways like fiery furnaces and lion's dens to execute dissidents. But instead of being under a militant, Daniel found a friend willing to listen to his plea. So I have a question for you. Can God bring you into favor with that boss you're struggling with? certainly can in fact sometimes god even replaces your supervisor or allows you to lead your supervisor to salvation through christ and yet we don't think of it that way we don't ever most of us as christians we don't ever think you know what maybe god put me under this person who is very militant very mean to me so that i can bring the light of the glorious gospel to this person what we think is boy this is hard this is hard and we go and we tell everybody how hard it is. And boy, I've just got to move and I've got to do this. And sometimes it's the city where we live or the neighborhood where we live. And I'm telling you, God's at work where you are. And don't try to always change the circumstance in your mind to get God to work something out for you. Remember, God's working in your story where you are and who you're with. But when our attitude toward God's working becomes negative, we don't see the big picture. We don't see past the end of our nose. All we see is how does this affect me and how does it make me feel and we inflate the negatives to be even bigger and we drain the positives to be even smaller and we distort the very essence of our lives. Now boy, it's so sad to see Christians who take tiny little negatives that would be a splinter in the finger of a Bible character and we make them out to be these major things in our lives that we just can't get past just can't get past this in the relationship well what did he do? he forgot to shake my hand what did he do? he didn't notice what I did nobody thanked me when I did this you know what you ought to do? read Hebrews 11 again It seems like I remember that they quenched the violence of swords, that they escaped the dens of lions, that they were beheaded for the name of Christ because they saw the big picture. And as men in the first century and the second century were burned at the stake, they said, I will not recant my faith in Jesus Christ who died for me. Why? Because the big picture was the glory of God in spreading the gospel throughout the entire earth. Instead of woe is me, this person's mean to me. Woe is me, I didn't get my way in a relationship. Woe is me, my wife didn't do this or my husband didn't do this. And we make God's kingdom and God's purpose and God's providence all about me instead of about God. I'm telling you this, if your story is not intersected with God's story, your story is going to be a sad story. If your story isn't lined up with a behind-the-scenes working God, your story is going to be a sad story. We pray so many times according to our will instead of God's will. For instance, Daniel could have prayed diligently, God... I pray that you'll take me back to Jerusalem. I pray that you'll remove me from this situation. God let Nebuchadnezzar die. Let his kingdom fall to pieces. And I believe Daniel prayed according to God's will. And as an answer to his prayer, God led him not back to Jerusalem, not out of his situation, not out of his circumstance. God led him into a strong connection with Ashpenaz. And I'm sure that he was able to introduce his new friend to God. You say, well, why do you think that? Well, because later we find him introducing Nebuchadnezzar to God. Right? I'm pretty sure that if Daniel had the boldness to introduce God to the king, that he introduced God to this man, Ashtonaz. When we're faithful to do what God's called us to do, in the place he's called us to do it, he is faithful to provide us the relationships to move forward, to provide us the means and the methods and all the things we need to do as will. Then I want you to see this one last of all, though. God delivered in the consent. God delivered in the consent. So we get to verse number 10. And the prince of the eunuchs says to Daniel, I fear my lord the king. He said, I am afraid of Nebuchadnezzar who hath appointed your meat and your drink. He says, Daniel, come in here. I want you to see something. I know you're asking to only have uh, vegetables and pulse and carrot juice for the next three years. I, I understand what you're asking. But let me show you. See this menu right here? Do you see whose stamp this is at the bottom of the menu? Okay? Look, look down at the bottom of the menu. Do you see who it is? It's not Emerald Lagasse. Do right? you guys even know who that is? Um, it's not Bobby Flay. It's King Nebuchadnezzar. Do you see his stamp? He has personally approved this menu. This is what he eats. This is what you guys are supposed to eat. I'm afraid that if we change the menu, the king's going to be upset. If we change his program, he's going to be, be upset. He says, for why should he see your faces Worse liking than the children which are of your sort. Here's a key sentence. Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. Okay, now we've got Melzar. And this is another relationship. So we've got Ashpenaz who got initially used to choose. Right, I think Ashpenaz is involved in the process much along the way. And now we've got a new guy, Melzar, who has become a really good friend to Daniel as well. Uh, Melzar is the guy whom the Prince of the Eunuchs had made as the go-between. So Ashfines is the one who gets the request, and Melzar is under him. Okay, and most of you didn't know Melzar either, so <laughs> blowing this right over your top of your head. Uh, I didn't even know Melzar until I started studying this. So and here, now they've got another go-between. And it, Melzar, here's these words. Here's what Daniel says. Prove thy servants I beseech thee ten days and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat and as thou seest deal with thy servants. Verse 14. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days. Melzar and Ashkenaz authorized the Hebrew children in their pursuit for purity, even at the possible cost of their own lives. Now remember this, working under a pagan king was a very risky endeavor. Things were constantly volatile. In Egypt, the Pharaoh hanged his chief baker because the breakfast croissants weren't up to his standards. And we don't know if that's really why. It doesn't, doesn't say that in the Bible. It's the read between the lines thing. Some of you are still back at, you know, Melzar and are confused you all. How many of you know what a croissant is? Okay, well, you got that. Well, the French didn't invent them. They were all the way back in Egypt and the chief baker messed them up. As I'm just telling you. Just, just trying to wake you up here. In Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, you know... Later on in this book, Nebuchadnezzar is going to have all of his wise men executed. You know why he's going to have them executed? Check this out. Because they couldn't tell him the interpretation of a dream that he couldn't even remember. Right? Like you wake up in the morning and you tell your wife, if you don't tell me what my dream meant, I'm going to kill you. And your wife says, "Okay, well, what was your dream in the first place? I don't remember. <laughs> he 's going to have all of his wise men executed. You think things were just a hair volatile in these kingdoms, and everything was to be you were scared to death, and if you didn't bow the right way, and you didn't bring yourself in before the king the right way. And Esther, who God showed incredible providence to in the book of Esther. Says to Mordecai, her uncle, if I go before the king and he doesn't raise the censer, they're going to kill me. And Mordecai says such a profound statement. He says, who knows if you have been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. God put you there so that you would be there when the decree came out to kill all of our people. And Esther said, gather all the maidens fast for me and me and my maids we're going to fast too and I'm going to go in before the king and if I perish I perish. See there has to be somebody who's willing to give his or her life for God's providence to work and in this case you know who's willing to give his life? The prince of the eunuchs. The underling at the prince of the eunuchs. They're willing to give their lives to allow the Hebrew children to do a 10 day period he thinks these guys are crazy he's like you want to eat what for the next three years you want to live on vegetable broth for three years that's what you want that's what we want we don't want the king's meat we don't want the wine which he drinks working for a despot was serious business and the master of the eunuchs had a strong enough connection with daniel that he gave him consent for them to do a special diet for 10 days, even at the risk of his own life before the king. And folks, providence reminds us constantly, continually, that there are things in my story, there are things in your story that only God can do. And as human beings, we scheme And we strive and we manipulate and we intimidate to try to get our way. But when we try to do it our way and we try to manufacture an outcome, it is never, ever, never as good as when God works. It's never as good as trusting in Him and allowing Him to provide the outcome. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Would you consider this morning as we finish up, how is it that God has worked in your story? How is it that God brought you to faith? Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Savior and somebody brought you here today. Maybe somebody invited you to come and you've come back and you still don't know who Jesus is and you're not in a relationship with the Savior of the world. And I'm telling you that God's providence has been working in your life. You know, there was another eunuch that we study sometimes in the Bible in the book of Acts. I think it's in Acts chapter 9 and he is out in the middle of the desert in the Gaza Strip reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah and God taps an evangelist on the shoulder a guy named Philip and he says hey head out to the desert and he goes out to the desert and he finds this Ethiopian eunuch sitting in a chair reading from Isaiah 53 which is the gospel in a nutshell in the Old Testament and he says to the eunuch What are you reading? He said, do you understand what you're reading? You know what the eunuch said? How can I except some man should teach me? And I love what it says next. It says, and he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. You know why God's providence is at work? To bring us the opportunity to preach unto people Jesus. Do you know why God forms those relationships, and moves those connections in our favor so that we can lead new people to Christ. And I love, we studied this in Life Group this morning. This blows me away. Even when we are obstinate, foolish, stubborn, when we are idiots, when we're like Jonah. God says to Jonah, go preach to Nineveh. I want my glory to be known in Nineveh. Jonah had just read the Jerusalem Times. It said the Ninevites had invented a new way of torture called the slide. And they would take zealots and they would take prophets and they would put them up at the top of the slide and send them down the slide and they never went back up because there was a blade at the bottom that cut them in half. And when Jonah read about that, he said, God, no thanks, I'm going to head for Tarsus. Tarsus? was the most opposite point in the known world at the time, over 2,500 miles away. He gets on the boat, and a storm comes up. And they go down on the boat, and they say, Hey, sleeper, wake up. What in the world are you doing down here sleeping? It was the biggest storm of the century on the sea. And Jonah finally figures out the storms for me, and he tells the mariners, Hey, you got to throw me over. You guys are all going to die. And I said, What? Throws him over, and we read in life group this morning, it's so phenomenal because it said, and the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You know what God's providence does? It helps protect you from your own stupidity. You have made some bad decisions in your life. If you're a human being and you're here this morning, you've made some bad decisions. And in your story, God came along and helped you to the next mile marker and helped you to the next point and helped you back onto the path. And when you went over that guardrail and you thought your life was ruined and wasted and you'd made a bad choice and you were down at the bottom, God picked you up. I love what David said, Psalm 40. He said, he brought me also out of a horrible pitch, out of the miry clay, set my feet on a rock and established my goings, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise continually. If thanks be to God that his providence of working behind the scenes helps us to stand. Yes, there's got to be purpose. You got to want to do it. But if God's providence weren't behind the scenes, none of us could stand where we're supposed to stand because God's the one who places us there. God's the one who gives us the relationships we need. God's the one who provides everything necessary for us to work in his kingdom. And so my question to you today is this, have you ever considered how God has engineered your story? And if you haven't, You should. And if you can't find God in your story, I hope you'll talk to one of us because we can take the word of God this morning as God's providence has brought you here and we can show you from God's word how Jesus loves you so much that he died on a wooden cross for your sins and he wants to give you eternal life today. Our Father in heaven, this morning, I pray that you would take our hearts and our lives. And even right now, as we're praying, might we reflect on how you have worked in our stories. Even now, when we look deep within our hearts and say, God, you're the one who's guided me. You're the one who's engineered me to be at this place in my life. And if you can't find God anywhere in your story, folks, would you speak to him right now and say, God, more than anything, I want you to be at the center of my life. I want you behind the scenes working in my favor. I want to bring you to my workplace. And I want to bring you to my family. And I want to bring you to my marriage. And I want to bring you to every facet of my life that I might be what you've called me to be. And as we pray that, Lord, would you work immeasurably in us, and give us the desire, the passion, because you've called us to your purpose. We ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.